Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you've made. We rejoice and we're glad in it because, not because of circumstances, Lord, but because of your presence, because of you in our lives. We have a measure of joy that's inexpressible. We pray, Father God, that we would come into all the fullness of the provision you have for us, Lord, and that nothing would be lacking or missing, Lord, that you fill our emptiness, that you fill our voids, that you be present and tangible in real ways. And everything that we bring as an imitation, as something that would attempt to be an artificial life support, things that, that don't fully work like you work, Lord. Replace these things with your reality, with your love, with your mercy, with your grace, with your truth, Lord. And transform us, Lord. Change our lives from glory to glory, even to your very full presence, O oh God, and provision in our lives, Lord. Remove anything that hinders our sight from you, Lord. You are the light of the world, Father God. Remove darkness, emptiness, insecurity, fear. And fill it with faith, O oh God, with love. We pray that your word would issue forth tonight, at this day, Father God, and not return void. And it would do the work which you send it out to do, Lord, as a good seed planted in good hearts that will bring forth a good fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. So um, I was... Many of us um, don't know what it's like to lack. Um, so, for example, if you've always had a car, you don't know how to sympathize with somebody who's never had a car. And maybe they're taking buses and maybe they're riding a bike. So we, we discount, you know, because of our provisions, we don't think uh, according uh, the lines. If, if you've always had parents, you, you never know what not having a parent's like. Um, people who have lost their parents now cherish a relationship with a parent-like uh, situations. In, in our particular case here in church is Wendy and Evid. Evid loses his wife to breast cancer, and the two boys, uh, the two girls, a boy and a girl, the two children are left without a mom. And so when they come to Sunday school, right, Evid shows up at the church with two little kids. They're small. I believe they were like maybe eight and six. Um, and the six-year-old turns to his Sunday school teacher, which is Wendy, and says, I want you to be my mom. Man, like, ah. Um, and, and Wendy's single, thank God, because if you're, like, married in your Sunday school, what do you do? I mean, um, so what, the, what happens, with, and, and they don't know. Evan doesn't know Wendy. Wendy doesn't know Evan, but God knows both of them and brings them together, and, and they get married, and now they have two other children, so a total of four. And so uh, the provision of God, when it's missing, uh, sometimes gets filled with other things. And, and so God is bringing us that don't know, and we're not, we're not familiar with a lot of things. So uh, that, that is actually the definition of an orphan. An orphan is a wandering person that doesn't have family, doesn't have direction, has no inheritance. Um, and so there's a lot of people that, that haven't come into what maybe we've been enjoying for a while and, and we, we, we don't 
we don't realize what's going on in their lives. But I want to suggest that in order for us to enter into God's provision, we have to break away. And that's why we, we titled this message, World Changing Land of Beulah. God is calling us into a land, into a relationship where he is our provider. And to break free, to go into that land, uh, we need to deal with an aspect that many of us are not even conscious of. But uh, Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. He, he talks about weapons of our warfare. Every time we, we talk about weapons, and a lot of it is in the news now, um, people want to do away with guns and uh, the harm that, that weapons bring to a physical life. Uh, Paul says th there are weapons, but not necessarily um, physical. They're, they're, they're not. We, 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 the weapons of our warfare, the, what we're waging is, is not physical. It's not carnal. And then he says, but there are weapons that are not carnal, but there are some that are mighty in the realm of God to pull down strongholds. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to communicate to get people to know about God and the gospel and the good news. There is um, the way that we communicate is through the preaching. That's what God decided, that preachers would bring uh, a message without Without preachers, there would be no one carrying the message. And what is the message? It's the good news of a relationship with God in Christ. And the response to that we talked about last week is repentance. Saying, I don't, I, I, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it God's way. And the result of repentance is forgiveness. That God cleans the slate and there's a new connection. But then there's strongholds. These weapons, uh, and you say, why doesn't, well, you know, some people live the Christian life and are Anubis. Man, you get here four years ago and you got your wife. There's people here 15, 20 years and, and I guess they haven't been greeters or something. I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's that the somehow or another there are strongholds and, and that word stronghold is a fortress, and the fortress, I don't know if you've ever been in it. If you go to St. Augustine, there's, there's fortresses there, the St. Augustine fortress. They're, they're built by bricks. One day, they weren't there. But if you go there now, these, these fortresses are castles that they were formed by one brick on top of another brick, another brick, another brick, another brick. Another, and then there's little windows where you could look outside, but, you know, the people outside can't get in, and the people inside don't want to get out. So Paul says that, that the weapons that God gives us are to destroy strongholds, pulling down. And, and this is what keeps some people from ever getting to know God or come to God or experience it. They, they've, they've built one brick at a time. When, when, I, when I was uh, starting to deal with Nick, my oldest boy, it gets to the place where, where you and your son have now a mature adult conversation. She's no longer a baby you spank and send to the room. Now you get to, to dialogue like a person. And I told Nick at a certain time in our relationship, I said, Nick, 
if when we're having a, a discussion, you put a brick, like me, you're like, I'm not moving, and then I put a brick, and then you put a brick, and we build a wall, and guess what? You're on the other side of the wall. I'm going to look out this window. You look out that window, and we have no relationship because a stronghold has been lifted up. And this is between a father and a son. So I said, I'm going to do something, and I hope you do the same thing. Every time you put a brick, I'm going to take the brick out of the way. I'm not going to put another brick. I'm going to say, well, you take that attitude, I'll take an attitude. You take an attitude. And, and pretty soon, you've raised up a wall, and you and your dad don't speak. And there's no communication. And people do that with God. People over the lifetime of their life have, have mistakenly you know, built up, and we're going to see this here. That's what Paul is talking about. And he's talking to the Corinthians. He says, hey, this is not, and it's funny because every time I talk about this subject, of, it's called spiritual warfare. And every time I talk about it, I always have a crazy nut in the audience that will come up to me after the service and say, Pastor, I have a hand grenade in my garage. I'm like, ah, or I'm stockpiling a lot of ammunition. I have 42 AK-47s. I'm like, that's not what the Bible is talking about. Because our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty. What for? Pulling down strongholds. If you're going to, the word there in the Greek, I have it written here. It uh, means fortification or a castle or a dungeon. Verse 3 says what these things are made out of. They're not made out of brick and cement. They're made out of... Verse 5, I'm sorry. Verse 5 says, arguments and every high form of thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God. So, so strongholds is every idea in your brain that is twisted and not true. It's not reality. You believe it's reality. The devil has sold it to you as a truth. And so these things start racking up on our lives, and they become, man, they become fortresses. And then whenever there's a word of God, the Bible says the word of God is like a seed that's being thrown. It hits the stronghold. It hits the fort and bounces off. And it doesn't matter how many times I can tell you truth. Since a stronghold is there, nothing, nothing even touches it. It doesn't affect nothing. And that's why a lot of people could come to church 10,000 years and nothing ever happens because the stronghold of every argument and every high thought that has lifted itself above the knowledge of God. So he says these weapons that are mighty are for the bringing every thought to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. So you have to capture lies. And say, no, this is not true. The word of God says this. No, this is not true. The word of God says this. No, this is not. And you capture every thought that rises up above the knowledge of God. And so if you don't do that, you cannot enjoy what God has. Look, let's go to uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 2. We'll see these strongholds in the Old Testament. You, you, you have a clearer imagery the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. The enemies of Israel were, were beating because the Midianites 
because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. There's that word stronghold, fortress. Sometimes the enemy is being so strong in your life with, with a lot of things that bring fear in your heart and threaten you and hurt you that you go to a place far from anybody and you build your fortress. You build your stronghold. And so you're not receiving anything from the Lord. Verse 3, it says, whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites invaded the country. So anything we try to do, somebody comes and spoils, somebody comes and takes, somebody comes and ruins. And so you rather, let me just go up into some place and build my fortress and I have all these thoughts. 1 Samuel 23, 14, David stayed while he's being followed by Saul. David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness, in a desert place. I build my little fortress. I'm isolated. I'm distanced. I don't want anybody to tell me anything I don't want to hear. So I'm going to move far away from truth. I'll move far away from anybody that tries to come against the arguments that I believe and that I've embraced. And so people live in these places. And David lived there as he was fleeing because Saul sought him every day. But God did not deliver David into his hand. God would not give David to die. Um, and so you'll see while he's running, David speaks about these places where he lived. In um, 2 Samuel 22, verse 1, the David's, uh, David spoke the words of this song to the Lord when the Lord rescued him from the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, Lord, you are, verse 2, you are my rock and my fortress. You're my stronghold. You're my deliverer. I'm living in a place you have built where the devil cannot move me. So he uses the same imagery in verse 3. He says, God is my rock and that's where I take refuge. He's my strength. I trust him. He's a shield. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge, my savior to save me from violence, to save me from, uh, from things that stir up my life. Verse 4, I call on the Lord who's worthy to be praised so that I shall be saved from all my enemies. So, so you have the, the concept of a stronghold. And, and he says, I believe it's one of these verses. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 1, he says, the Lord, he's my stronghold. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom will I be afraid? Why was he seeking the Lord to be his stronghold? So that he wouldn't be afraid of anything. And then the other stronghold the devil allows us to build is a stronghold full of fear, full of trouble. And so we, we, we're, we're kept out. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. It says that we, with our weapons, not carnal but mighty to pull down strongholds, we cast down arguments. 
What, what are those things that have, have taken place in my life and I believe them and nobody better mess with these things? And remember, those are the things that are keeping you outside of God's provision. So in order to enter into the land that God is calling us to, which is a dream, we need to cast down arguments. And, and, and some of you have married a man that has these strongholds in their life. They believe a lie. They, they've embraced something other than what God would have them know. So these arguments need to be cast down. And these weapons bring every high thing that it's, exalts itself against the knowledge of God to captivity to obey God's word. Uh, this word demolish, I don't know if it's there. Um, they also use to destroy Casting down, demolish. That, that word in the Greek, the original language, is katharist. Kata meaning against, contrary. And the second part of that word comes from to choose. You purposefully choose what is not true. And so I, I was telling men this week, you believe a lie. You consciously have confidence in something that's not true. We're going to get to that real quickly because I've made a list of things here that men believe that are not true. Um, and it's, it's powerful. It's powerful to see how we exercise. Uh, one, of the, one of the verses I used to use as a, as a young man uh, growing up in college is Romans 6.16. As soon as you believe something, you become a servant. Don't you know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you become the slave to whom you obey. And if you obey things that are wrong, it leads to a death style, a, 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 a diminishing expression of life. And if you believe things that are right, obedience leading to righteousness is life. So, so there's a stronghold in God that protects you from the lies. Um, my daughter set a stronghold that she has set in her life uh, when, a couple years ago. She stood up here in front of the church, and she says, the devil tells girls out there that they're ugly, but I know I'm not. See, she has a stronghold in the confidence that God made her the way she is, so she's perfectly made. She doesn't have to pretend to be something else. And this is something that's in her life, and it protects her against all the lies that are out there. So when you see the women out there, the lies that they're receiving, and, and I got to do this this morning. Uh, you guys back there in the media, I, I want you to look up our congresswoman's daughter. Eliana Ross Lettinen has a daughter, and she was a little girl. She was a little blonde girl, and she grew up with her sister Patricia. Her name was Amanda. And so these little girls, and they were playing around and stuff. They grow up, and at one point, at the age of 15, 14, 15 years old, Amanda, the oldest one, begins to believe a lie. And then to build a stronghold around her life that she's not pretty, that she's not girly, that she's not feminine. And she starts believing the lie that she's a man. And now she wants to call herself Rodrigo. And now, if you see the picture of a daughter who has a stronghold in her life, she has a beard. And, and she walks around like a man. 
and you say, how could this happen? And, and so the issue is that now um, she has built her whole life around a lie. And, and now the components of, of this world that are twisted are saying, finally, she's living honestly. No, she's not. She's, she's denying the very essence of her genetic makeup. Being a woman, now she walks around uh, as a man. And so these lies, there, there she is. So she's 22, 24 years old. She has a beard, and she walks around like a man. And, and you say, how did that happen, Pastor? You say, it's a stronghold. It's believing a lie. And you say, well, you know, there's no spiritual protection for this. Yes, there is. Truth will set you free. And while some people think this is funny, I think it's sad. It's not funny. I don't think it's comical. I don't think that the fruit of 20 years of mothering has to produce a young girl who doesn't feel comfortable as a girl. So has to move into, you know, the the. the persona of a man she doesn't want to be called Amanda she wants to be called Rodrigo and, and it's just a bunch of twisted darkness in the life of people that have no spiritual truth and protection and so this is where the Bible says that if you obey a voice Romans 6 16 if you obey the wrong voice to build up a fortress against God, it takes as much energy to live like that than it does to believe truth. And whoever you present yourself as a slave, a servant to believe, you are that one slave whom you obey. So that's why it's, it's very powerful that you not discount truth. Because if you hate truth, you embrace a lie. You, you, you start building up your life in a fortress, and, and it's, uh, so somebody said like this, Pastor, why do we have to believe what you say? Not what I say, what the Bible says. And because not believing what the Bible says doesn't mean you're not going to believe anything. It's you're going to believe everything. If you don't have a set of values that are true, it's not like you're not going to believe anything. You say, okay, he doesn't believe what it says in the Bible, so he just doesn't believe anything. No, you're going to believe anything. Any voice that comes in your life will be able to speak to you, and you will believe its lie. You'll walk in its fear. It'll strip you of your faith. It'll dispossess you of what is in the land of Beulah. And so we're breaking free to go into there, and it requires not believing a lie. This energy um, to believe a lie that lodges in your spirit that contradicts God becomes a stronghold. Unforgiveness, hurt, despair, it lodges itself inside your body and strangles the abundant life. So here it is in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. God puts man in the garden, the first man, Adam. And he says like this, he put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. He was to keep this area. Verse 16 says, and God said to man, he commanded man of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat. Verse 17, he put him in the garden, you could eat of everything, but the tree of knowledge you shall not eat. In the day you eat, you shall die. What, what is going on? God is telling man what are the limits and boundaries of his life. And don't come outside of that. What happens in Genesis 3 and in verse 
um, one through seven, the devil shows up and starts lodging a lie. Verse one, it says, Genesis 3, one, the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals God had made, said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Did God really say that? Of course he said that. We just heard him say that. But the devil now wants to replace truth with a lie. And he says, no. Verse 2, it's not like he said. The woman says, yeah, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Verse 3, she's dialoguing. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God says, you shall not eat. The day you touch it, you'll die. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Don't believe God's truth. And he starts replacing truth with a lie. And that causes a disconnect. Verse 5, he says, surely the day that you eat, God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's replacing God's commandment with deception. Romans 1.25 says, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. When, when, you, when you believe a lie and you perpetuate it, you build a fortress against the truth of God. You're, you're trapped to not inherit God's goodness. You believe something, but you don't believe truth. And so these are the things that man will exchange Truth for a lie. The first lie, God doesn't love you. There's some people that just don't, don't even, first they, God doesn't exist. That, that's a stronghold. Then God doesn't love you. And then God hates you. And then God rejects you. And then God wants to punish you. And then God wants to, he's coming after you for blood. He's, he's, so all these concepts about God make people run from God. When I was 14, 15 years old, after I had gone to private school all my life and, and dealt with all the nuns, um, I thought God was angry at me. And I knew this was my concept of what I understood about God because I had built a stronghold. When I get to heaven and stand there, the very first thing God's going to do is take that stick he has and hit me on the head. That was my stronghold. God was angry at me. And it's farthest from the truth. Now truth tells me when I get to heaven, he's going to hug me. He's going to welcome me. He's a father who says, you know something? Come home. You're finally here. And not angry. And not hitting me over the head. But the image I had was that God was upset at me. He wasn't upset at me. He loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so that I would not perish. So that I would not be far from him. He paid the ultimate price of the highest charge. When you see the cross and, and his son dying there and bleeding to death. And, and a friend of mine who's Jewish says, Joaquin, I don't understand this. The man in the cross. You, why? What's important? I says, because he did it for you, Larry. I said, Larry, he did that for you. He did that for me. He gave his son to die for you. And that, that, that breaks all the power of the lies of the enemies. Ro I love Romans 8, <coughs> 31, I believe. 32. 8, 32. He, God, 
who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is with us and not against us. God is for us and not against us. So when you, when you, when you have a lie there that God's upset at you, that he's angry, that he's out to get you, and then you, you know that that's a stronghold and you're protecting yourself from it, and God's against me, against me and so is everybody. When you trade it for truth, then you're set free and you begin to embrace God and enjoy what he has for you. Um, another stronghold, we come from monkeys. I, I, my teachers in college, my, the whole time it says, oh, we come, you know, my grandmother looks like an ape, but she ain't no monkey. You know, we come from evolution. We come from, no, 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 a thousand times no. It's a lie from the pit of hell. A lie from the pit of hell. We are wonderfully and fashionably made. And so if you believe truth, you don't, you don't believe we're animals. A lot of men think that since they become from gorillas, they treat their wives like, like they belong in the zoo. They, they, they act like animals. And why? Because they've been told their whole life they come from the monkey family, the ape family. Your ancestors are gorilla types. So if you believe that lie, you, you, you lift up a stronghold. You lift up a fortress. You lift up something that... Um, uh, some people say God will not forgive me. I had a, a, a client, and he went to Vietnam. He was about 90 years old, um, and he comes into my office as a lawyer, and I start talking. He wanted to do a will, and I start talking to him about God. He says, Dr. Molina, you know something? I, I respect everything you're telling me, but what I've done, God could never forgive me. I go, but what did you do? He says he would grab his machine gun and kill all the little kids in Vietnam. Because they would come up with shoeboxes that had bombs. So the, the, they would, the little kids, the, the Viet Cong, would, would create like little bo- shoeboxes. They had bombs in them. The little kids would go out and try to like shine the American soldiers' boots. And he says, they told us that a lot of these little kids, they had a bomb. So I had to shoot them as they were running towards me. And God cannot forgive me for that. And so he had made in his mind... Acts that he had committed in this world that were not worthy of forgiveness. A lot of times it happens with abortion and women. It's like, God can't forgive me. Guess what? Yes, he can. And he already did. Even before you ask for forgiveness, when he sent Jesus to the cross, is to wipe the slate clean. There is nothing holding you back from an incredible relationship with Jesus in the love of a father. So my, my, my grandmother, for example, up in Cuba, they used to, you know, she said that she had gone through so many abortions. Because that was the normal way in Cuba to do her, what's it called, uh, parental planning, family planning. They just get rid of their babies and get rid of their babies. So when she became a Christian, she's a lot older, she said, I had to take that to Jesus. And Jesus forgave me and washed me and cleansed me. And it was powerful to see my grandmother receive, you know, the, the pulling down of strongholds that were in her heart for, for, for years. But truth came and wiped it away. Truth came and set her free, and it was powerful. So another stronghold, I'm ugly. Uh, there was a young man that joined our youth group. He tried to commit suicide five times. And you said, why would a young man try to commit suicide five times? And, and he says, Joaquin, I'm ugly. And so since I'm ugly, I tried to, he, he tried to hang himself in his room. He tried to crash his car into a tree. He, he, he drank pills. He slit his wrist. 
five times in five different ways because in his heart, the devil had told him he was ugly. And he was a handsome young man. I go, man, if you're ugly, then I'm, I'm freaking ugly. <laughs> you know, you're a tall, handsome, sharp-looking guy, and the devil has him believing a lie. He says, I can't look in the mirror because every time I look in the mirror, I see an ugly face. I go, that's a stronghold. That's straight from the pit of hell. That's not from God. We, God has not made any one of us ugly. Uh, he's fashioned us in a beautiful way. Um, the strongholds are a thousand, a thousand times. I'm sure the, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, she had five husbands. She's on her sixth relationship, and, and she's telling God, you know, so I'm, I'm a piece of garbage. And Jesus says, so you have no idea how precious you are. And when he tore down the stronghold of all the rejection, she goes into town and tells all the men. And she has the biggest revival. The, the, the 12 disciples were just in that town. They were going through McDonald's picking up some drive through And nothing happened. And this woman who, who destroys a stronghold, who comes to truth, goes into town and tells all the men, listen. There's a guy out there, and the whole town comes, and the whole town gets saved by one woman who used to not be even approachable. And Jesus says, hey, could you give me a drink? You're not supposed to talk to me. You're Jewish, and I'm Samaritan. Hey, can you, uh, you have nothing to reach the depth of this well. Oh, your father say that you're to, to drink out of the wells of Jacob and, and your forefathers Abraham. And, we're not, and she has all this mumbo jumbo because strongholds make you become a theologian. You start arguing all religion. And he said, God, Jesus had to break through that stronghold and bring truth to her and set her free. He says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him and he would satisfy your thirst. You would never thirst again. And this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was going to fill her life. And, and, and Friday, some of you received the Holy Spirit uh, and discipleship. They prayed for, for the, the discipleship class, and, and the Holy Spirit came, and people started speaking in tongues and, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, and when you get rid of lies, the, the, the eternal powers of God start moving in your life, and they're, they're incredible. The, the Jehovah Witnesses come and say no one's going to heaven except 144,000. You know what that is? Listen to me. Heaven has no more need for inhabitants because it's filled already. You're not going to make it. You can't make it. That's a stronghold from the pit of hell to keep an entire. That's what the Jehovah Witnesses go around telling people. There is no hell. That's even worse that there is no heaven. Uh, worse that there's no room in heaven is that there's no hell. Guess what? There is a hell, and it's never satisfied. There's still room there for you if you're not careful. But there's room in heaven. But if a religion comes like the Jehovah Witnesses to say only 144,000 get to go to heaven, then where the heck am I going to go? It's already packed. There's no more. That was like Celia Cruz. No hay cama para tanta gente. There's not enough rooms for people. But Jesus said a truth, and this is the truth. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. I go prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not tell you. So when you have the Bible, when you have truth, when you're in there, you, you're like, what's that guy say? MC Hammer can't touch me. Nah, 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 can't touch me. Can't touch me. Because you're not allowing the devil to bring thoughts 
That's why Paul says, let's demolish these strongholds, these fortresses that many times have been there for generations. Your great-great-great-grandfather didn't believe in God. Your great-great-grandmother didn't. And it passed it down from generation. We don't believe in God. Guess what? Today, I call those strongholds to be cast down and demolished in Jesus' name. Every stronghold, every high thing, everything that raises up, that doesn't allow you. Um, there was something here I had put. One of the lies, the strongholds, is people don't change. Listen to me. That's straight from the pit of hell. Why? Uh, I've seen transformation happen. Yeah, I'm not where God wants me to be, but I'm nowhere even close to what I used to be. There's been a change, a transformation in our lives. The Bible says as we continue to press on to Jesus, we are transformed from glory to glory. When I was uh, dealing with the youth group, there was a, a woman who had taken, she, she was a young mom. She had two sons. She actually had three sons. Um, she went to a witch, to a, a fortune teller, and she carried her baby in her arms that was like five months old. And she went to one of these fortune tellers and was like, tell me what's in my future. And here's the lie. Here was the stronghold that was built. One of your son. One of your sons is going to kill another one of your sons. That's what you're going to live. And so she looked at her oldest son who was already in school. He was in second grade. He was about six years old, seven years old. And he was a straight-A student. That was her older son. And then the baby in her arms was just an infant. So it must be the middle guy, Carlos. That was his name. And so she started treating Carlos wrong because the witch had told her, the, the warlock, the fortune teller, that one of her kids was going to kill the other. So she says, it's not the oldest guy. He's an A student. He's an exemplary child. It's not the baby I hold in my arms because he's too innocent. So she started treating Carlos really distanced from that. She never left Carlos alone with his brothers. And, and she was always treating him weird and always fearful. And that lie was lodged in her spirit. You know what she did? When Carlos turned 13 years old, she put him in an insane asylum. And he wasn't crazy. So he grew up from the age of 13 to the age of 18 in a crazy home in one of these hospitals. And he saw people commit suicide right next to him, hanging themselves. He saw people beat him and, and urinate on him. And his life was disastrous. So when he comes at 18, he comes and he joins our youth group. And, and that's where he started telling me all these things. And I said, you know something? Your life, your childhood, the devil lodged in a lie in your family, and your mom believed it. So insurance wouldn't cover the insane asylum for him anymore. So at 18, he came home, and, and, and he was a totally, uh, he was mentally skewed because his mom went to go see a liar, a witch, who told her a lie. And he never had any intentions of any violence. He was the most... You know, inoffensive. None of his kids, none of the children were ever going to do anything. So be careful where these lies lodge themselves. Ready? I'm going to give you one. The pastor doesn't like me. You know, these, these things that come up in our hearts. It's like, Ugh. listen, grab that, demolish that stronghold. Destroy that. Uh, I don't like church. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad place. That's a stronghold. And so over the years, a lot of people have told me, I don't like, there's so many hypocrites at church. I say, yeah, but when you go to the nightclub where people are doing all their worldly crazy stuff, there's no hypocrites. I know that these guys are awesome out there. But that's a lie. That's a stronghold that's keeping you away from the land of Beulah. So that's why God in the Old Testament would say in Deuteronomy 12, and I'm finishing right now, um, you shall surely destroy all these places. 
a lot of people ask, why, does, why is God so angry? Why does he demolish? Why is he destroying? Because these places come to take you captive into their slavery and captivity. And it says, you shall surely destroy, Deuteronomy 12.2. Put it up on the screen. You shall surely destroy all these places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve other gods on high mountains and on hills under every green tree. Utterly destroy. Have no... Have no compassion. Imagine that one of my daughter, if I had a daughter that would believe that she's not a female, that thought that got lodged and now she's going to grow a beard and, and change her name, that's straight from the evil one. So that's why it's important. And, and a lot of us that grew up in Sunday school, and I didn't, but a lot of us, uh, there's a guy named Cy Rogers. Cy Rogers was a little boy and his mom and dad met in a sorority and fraternity in college. When they left college, they got married and they had Cy. So he's their firstborn. Then the father would travel a lot. This is business. And the mom would stay home and start having relationship with men. And, and they would get drunk, her and her lovers. And when she would pass out, the men would go looking for Cy. He was four or five years old. And they would rape him. So here he's growing up, and by the time he's 10 and 15 years old, uh, his mom dies when he's 7, a car accident, a DUI. And he, 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 his dad takes him to an uncle's house and says, take care of him while I'm working. And then finally his father gets married again and goes gets him a year later. By this time, Cy Roger rejected his father because of abandonment. He says, because you left me, I don't trust you no more. And so at the age of 16, he grows up to think he's gay. And, and he says, okay, uh, I'm going to live the gay lifestyle. And then he says, gays are not faithful in relationships, so I'll become a woman. So he goes through the sex change. And when he's in the middle of the sex change, he is doing some meditation classes. And he hears a song, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. And he's like, what the heck is this song? It was a song he had learned when his aunt and uncle took him to church in Sunday school. And that song, he says, God, why am I thinking like that? And, he, and God's voice, I want to redeem your manhood. And God started reaching out to him. And then he goes, I want a sign. Give me a sign that this is you and this is not just my thoughts. And he went the next day to uh, get the newspaper and it says, transgender clinic, John Hopkins closes down. Where he was going to get a sex change closed down. So he joined the church. He found a wife. He got married. He became a man. And now he travels the world telling his story. But he'll tell you that that, that stronghold of thinking that he wasn't a man was broken by a little song he learned in Sunday school. So if we grow up in Sunday school listening to the word of God, listening to truth, sometimes later on in life that stuff comes and breaks through all the lies of the devil. So it's not in vain that your children are growing up in the house of God. Absolutely. <clears throat> God had told his people, destroy everything. Deuteronomy 12, 2. Destroy everything that comes to uh, challenge the purpose of God in your life. We have to do this with truth. Uh, I don't want to get into this game where husbands and wife now uh, when they talk, it says, that's a stronghold in your life. What pastor said is true. All right, listen, tear down your own stronghold and shut up. <laughs> Leave your spouse alone. 
they have enough hassles for you to be telling them, yeah, everything the pastor said is right. I've been telling you, you guys, you're living a fortress. You're like Cinderella. Rapunzel, Rapunzel. No. Leave your spouse alone. You get out of your mole hole there, uh, your little hole of destruction. Now, Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, before he starts his ministry, the devil tried to build strongholds in life three times. He, he says, if you're the son of God, then prove it. If you're the son of God, then prove it. If you're the son of God, jump onto the high mountain and throw yourself off. But bow down and worship me. If you're, so he's trying to build these strongholds. And every time the devil tried to build something in the life of Jesus, he would say, the word of God says. The word of God says. The word of God says. So that's how you break free and get into the land of Beulah. Make sure you know the word of God. And don't let the devil build not even a brick that, that separates you. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times parents have built these mechanisms and they live by them. And then their children uh, take up a dwelling there. They, they live in that, in that area. Well, mom told me never to trust a, a pastor, never to trust, I think it was a Colombian salsa people that were here. Uh, his parents had told him that don't go to a church because there were witches there. So every time he saw a church, he would run because he, he had grown up. His parents told him that that was, that was the devil's land. Um, today, I pray that all of us, including myself, would, would come into the truth of God and to his spirit. Um, I, I want to touch on one more, one more stronghold, Ephesians 6, 12. It says we do not fight against uh, flesh and blood. We're not fighting people, people. We do not wrestle. Don't, 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 make sure, don't raise up a person. Argh, I'm no, they're, they're, it's an evil, there's a spiritual world. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But look at the powers that are against us. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness against spiritual armies of wickedness in heavenly places. This was, this was monumental in our family 35 years ago. Because we stopped arguing with each other and we all stood against the devil. We, we all stopped, you know, uh, picking and choosing to, to hold up uh, issues against each other. Uh, we began to uh, say, devil, get out of this family. Get out of our lives. Uh, let's stand this morning. And everything that we have been sharing in the last couple of weeks uh, culminate on today which we, we have the communication, the language, we have the preaching, we have the response, the correct response to the preaching, which is repentance, the understanding how God issues these things in our life. And thank God today, God talks to us about uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not, you can't grab a, a hand grenade, you can't grab stockpile ammunition, because all this is happening in a spiritual realm. And we have to bring down all those lies and destroy everything that raises itself up against the Lord. Let's go and, and read that one more time, 2 Corinthians 10.3. We'll start there. And, and Paul is giving these instructions. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we're alive, but we don't war according to the flesh. We're alive, but now we're going to raise up our awareness to verse 4. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're not things we could do in the natural, but they're mighty in God. What for? 
to pull down, to demolish strongholds, anything. Verse 5, that lifts itself up, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, captivity to the obedience of Christ. we got to make sure that we measure truth with anything that's coming in our lives so that we could overcome uh, and defeat Satan. Father, thank you this morning for the house of God. Thank you that we've been able to discuss spiritual concepts with spiritual people. And we're not living in this world based on our flesh. We're not going to withstand each other with a baseball bat and, and uh, brass knuckles and argue and fight. But we're living in a world where uh, the devil secretively and with stealth tries to come and, and make us believe lies. And it affects our relationship with you, and it affects our relationship with one another. And it hinders our development for peace, for joy, and for righteousness. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we pray that the truth that we heard this morning would cause us to consider and reflect so we no longer end up inheriting destruction but that the truth of your word and our passion to thirst and hunger for righteousness leads us like the Samaritan woman to replace all the lies with your word and then there's revival in the land. There's fruits of believing what you say. Life and peace, unity, family, joy. Transform our thoughts, Lord, and renew them and allow us, Father God, to come into your presence every morning and consider whether or not the arguments that are in our head and the controversy and the contention is one that wants to establish itself as a stronghold, as a brick in this fortress. And we rebuke Satan and all his schemes and all his strategies to keep us from entering into the land of Beulah. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, amen.